The Ducks are in the final four, and you are listening to the Tell Podcast, The Eugene Life. I am your host, Aaron Stansbury, a local realtor with Keller Williams. This podcast is a positive look into the people and places that help make Lane County a great place to live. In today's emergency women's final four Ducks podcast, I am joined by our women's basketball expert, Stephen Welsh a local letter carrier for the U.S. Postal Service and a season ticket holder for the Oregon Ducks women basketball team. I am here in my studio located at the Keller Williams Realty office on Suzanne Way next to Costco with my guest, Stephen Welch. Steven, how you doing? Good. How about yourself? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for being here. Um, Steven, so today is April 2nd, and the Oregon women basketball team is headed to the, fin- headed to the final four, four for the first time in program history. The Ducks defeated number one seed Mississippi State 88-84 uh, to 84 in the Elite Eight. Uh, they meet number one seed Baylor, who defeated number two seed Iowa 85-53. to 53 meaning the Ducks and the Lady Baylor Bears will battle in Tampa at 4 p.m. on Friday. Uh, but, Stephen, before we uh, prepare the listeners for Friday's game against Baylor, why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Yeah, um, I was uh, born in Washington, moved to Portland when I was in middle school, and then uh, other than four years in Virginia with the Navy, I've been a Northwest kid my life. I currently work for the post office carrying mail uh, in town. And uh, I have a four-year-old who just turned four named Micah and a wife, Kayleen, and we're expecting our second in the summertime. Oh, very cool. Congratulations. Thank you. That's great. Um, Are you going to be able to play softball this year? Yes, it's priority one when it it comes to summertime. (laughs) Okay, good, good. Uh, awesome. And so I, I did, uh, did give a little bit of a miscue earlier. I had mentioned that you uh, are a season ticket holder and, uh, and really what you are is you're, uh, uh, you're really good at finding the tickets pretty much to most of the games and you just kind of buy them a la carte. Yeah. It, it, it started with football yeah. and then it's just kind of, you know, it's just the way to do it. Totally. Yeah, when like I got a, the Stanford Oregon football game this year for nineteen dollars, and I was on a thirty yard line, t- ten rows up. So Very it's smart. a pretty good uh, snag. How, how do you how do you go about that? Do you use like StubHub or do you do? Oh, you know, just yeah. Facebook and say, hey, I'm looking for tickets. Yeah, it's do? every uh, ticket app you can find, and yeah. just kind of being crazy with it, and just refresh, refresh, refresh. <laughs> so yeah, very good. The Bridgeway House nonprofit serves the needs of children with autism and related abilities while educating and supporting their families. They began by offering desperately needed hope to a small handful of families and have grown in the years since to offer hope to hundreds of families every year. Their programs help this diverse group of children meet the challenges of living with autism as well as help their parents and caregivers manage the stress of raising a child with special needs. Learn more at www.bridgewayhouse.org. Stephen, before I have you educate the listeners on the Oregon Ducks, let me give you the listeners a little quick outline on their opponents. So coached by Kim Mulkey in her 19th season, 
Baylor went 38 and one going in, going 18 and 0 in the Big 12. Um, dating back to the regular season, Baylor is actually on a 27 game win streak. Uh, they're starting five. Uh, they have at guard. They have Juicy Landrum, a uh, five point or five foot eight junior. Uh, she averages about eleven and a half points a game, five rebounds, and four assists. She really fills it up. Uh, the other guard, Chloe Jackson, five foot eight uh, senior, uh, eleven and a half points a game, uh, about five and a half assists, and uh, and almost four rebounds a game. And then at the third guard is Dee Dee Richards, six foot one sophomore. Um, she she has about almost seven points a game at six point eight, four assists and three rebounds. Um, they're uh, but they're really led by their two forwards, Lauren Cox, a six foot four junior. She averages uh, almost thirteen points a game and eight rebounds. Uh, she's actually the leading uh, rebounder at eight point two a game. Uh, her highest game this highest ranked game this year was uh, against South Dakota State. Where she scored twenty eight points and ten re- and ten rebounds, um, and I think uh, I think everybody would agree that their star is a uh, all star second teamer and senior uh, Kalani Brown, a six foot seven forward who is averaging fifteen point six points a game, eight point one rebounds, and has been one of the best forwards in the nation for a couple of years now. The only loss that Baylor had this year was against Pac twelve member Stanford on December fifteenth with a sixty three to sixty eight loss. Baylor also had uh, uh, hadn't had much of a issue eliminating any of its opponents so far in this tournament. Uh, thus far, they have uh, pretty much ran through the first uh, four rounds, defeating Abilene Christian, Cal, South Carolina, and uh, and Iowa. So uh, on, let's see here. So now that I've kind of given a little bit of a you know rundown about the Baylor Bears. Uh, Steven, you're a bit of an expert on the on the Oregon Lady uh, basketball team. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, if someone hasn't been paying attention, but they you know they know the Final Four is a big deal and they're going to be watching on Friday, what what would you give them to look at? Oh, it, really? It all starts with Sabrina Unescu, their All American point guard and uh, consensus, consensus top pick in the uh, WNBA draft, whether that be this coming next year or the year after, hopefully. Um, it starts with her. Uh, she uh, is the triple doubles queen in collegiate sports. So that's both men and women with 18 for a career. And she's only a junior. Wow. Uh, but other than her, you got Ruthie Hebert inside, who's considered one of the best post players in the country. Uh, she's battling a knee injury currently. So she's not 100%. And then you got uh, Satu Sabli, who is a 6'4 guard, who is just... I mean, just talented across the board. Uh, those are the three uh, main players. So jumping back to Sabrina, you had, mm-hmm. you had mentioned that there's some rumors that she might actually go out this year uh, into the WNBA mm-hmm. um, as the you know as the first consensus first pick in the draft. Um, that's pretty uncommon for um, um, women in the NCAA to to not go their full four years. Is that yeah? It's that? as far as I'm aware, it's it's never happened. So. Wow. Wow. And what, what kind of money? Do you have any idea what kind of money the WNBA like top the, players make? No, the last the last time I uh, heard anything, they don't make much more than probably like fifty thousand dollars a year, like base salary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, that's not counting sponsorships, where sure. I think they get a lot of their money from. 
and over you you hear overseas is where they can really make their money. Um, but yeah, it's just it's and it's currently a big story with the sport is equal pay as far as mm-hmm. WNBA to NBA. Mm-hmm. Okay, very cool. So, uh, well, we obviously you know we wish her the best, and we but we do kind of selfishly hope that she uh, stays a little bit longer, gets her degree, and um, yeah. And helps us uh, go to another Final Four next year and um, hopefully uh, maybe a repeat national championship. Yeah, that'd be great. Not to get too far ahead of myself. Yeah, the the hope is she's not an overachiever in the classroom and needs that senior year to get her degree. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um, So, uh, and then, so you mentioned also uh, um, Ruthie Hebert. She's, uh, so she's been battling a, 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 you said, a knee injury? Yeah, she got hurt again in the second game of the Civil War. In Corvallis, she kind of fell awkwardly and sat out of the next three games, I think. And that's where Oregon had their back-to-back losses. And so she's she's really a key player because mm-hmm. you know two of their four losses this year when she was hurt. So so during the tournament, though, she's been able to play, just not mm-hmm. the same amount of minutes. Yeah, or? you can see that she's a little you know slow on like sliding defensively, but she's um, she's good. Wow. She's good to go. Awesome. Um, Anybody out from the else from the starting five that you'd like to give a little recognition to, or maybe a, a key player that's not one of those top three? Oh, I'm a huge uh, Maite Cazorla fan. She's the other guard. Uh, she uh, she gets overlooked by Sabrina often, but she is probably the best defender, perimeter defender, and she's the she's the one who uh, the player who hit the clinching three mm-hmm. in the game against Mississippi State, and uh, she's a senior. She's one of two. And the other one is Adi Gildan, and she's she's a big uh, player off the bench who plays a uh, good D. And uh, yeah. So how do you, how do you say uh, my, my, Maite Cazorla? Maite, Maite Cazorla. Man, yeah, ninety percent sure that's how you say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, she's from Spain, so who knows? Her. Oh, okay, I got it. Um, so it looks like she's uh, she's second leader in assists for the team. Mm-hmm. Um, she really felt, seemed like she fills up the stat sheet pretty well. Um, I can't act like I am a, a an, or, an Oregon women's basketball expert. Um, I try to catch a little bit, but mm-hmm. uh, but you really know your stuff, so I appreciate you coming on and, of and course. giving us novice fans a, a little bit of uh, um, an education lesson as well as uh, you know actually represent you know because they don't really get a whole lot of. Uh, they don't get near as much press as they really deserve. So I'm sure there's a lot of fans like you who just love hearing, you know, them get a little recognition where there's going to be, you know, probably a few hundred people listening to this podcast. Yeah, for sure. uh, For such a short uh, time frame, you know, Mm -hmm. between between now and Friday is the only time this is really going to be useful. This should come up Tuesday night. Um, So we'll we'll see. Um, And uh, so what kind of chances do you give Oregon to, to pull it out on Friday. Oh, I think I think it's there's a good shot. I mean, it's especially if you uh if we get the three-point shooting we did against Mississippi State, I think they shot 50% from the three. So, <laughs> I'll take I, I like my chances if we get that number. Yeah, we take that. <laughs> um but really it it, it uh, Baylor's known to have the best uh front court, their post players. Um, so with playing Mississippi State and uh, their center, you know we've already had a game plan work out pretty well against a six-seven post player um, in McCowan, I believe her name was. So it's it's just a matter of containing uh, Kalani Brown 
and Lauren Cox, and then uh, hitting our outside shots and probably not turning the ball over would help too. Yeah, absolutely. Like, what would you What would you say is like maybe like that key aspect that would uh, give the Ducks a W for this Friday? Yeah, I think if, if by all accounts it seems like if they can contain Kalani Brown is mm-hmm. that's kind of where it starts because yeah. b- both of their guards are five <clears throat> eight and we have you know size advantage because I think Sabrina's at six foot so mm-hmm. we should be able to dominate the the backcourt. Great, great. And do, how how do we match up um, with uh, with Kalani? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's being six seven, uh, you know, she's she's tough. I mean, Ruthie Hebert, I think is six, four. Um, but like, you know, I think they'll, you'll see a similar game plan where they're going to double team and triple team. And, uh, I don't know the shooting percentages of their guards. Uh, we've kind of lucked out with Mississippi state's guards, not being able to hit a outside shot Mm -hmm. to back off them. But, uh, yeah, I think it's, it starts with the post. If we can kind of harass her and get her agitated and be physical with her, it's, uh, that's kind of where it starts for success. Okay, great. Um, so should we get past them on Friday? Um, the other side of the tournament is Notre Dame and UConn, mm-hmm. uh, two kind of, you know, they're very well respected, historically good, you know, women's basketball teams. Yeah. Um, what What do you know about those two teams? Who do you think might come out the winner if you had a if you had to guess? And uh, how do you think we would match up against each of them? Well, you know, UConn, I think, has been to the Final Four the last 10 years in a row or something like that. So, yeah. And many, many consider it actually been a down year for UConn somehow. Uh, <laughs> so I, I would never count them out. Notre Dame is the uh, uh, defending national champion. They actually beat Mississippi State on a buzzer beater last year. Um, so I, both programs are... <clears throat> really talented and what's what's kind of fascinating for me is that you know this Oregon team started two years ago mm-hmm. when they were uh made a uh amazing run to the elite eight when all these good all these players were freshmen and it they got bounced by UConn two years mm-hmm. ago and they got bounced by Notre Dame last year so oh. uh any way you look at it for Oregon it's kind of a storybook ending yeah that they could potentially uh knock on wood, yeah. uh, if they get there, that they will, you know, have a chance to uh, get revenge on the two teams that have eliminated them in the past two years. Do you, do you have a guess on who do you think it might be? It could go uh, either way, I hear you. Yeah, it's uh, Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame might have even beaten UConn last year en route to the championship game. Okay. I I would probably give the edge to Notre Dame. Uh, just talent-wise is probably uh, Notre Dame, and then uh, confidence playing against U- UConn again mm-hmm. would probably do it. Okay, great. So we'll, hopefully uh, we get to see them on uh, on Saturday, or I mean on Sunday at 6 p.m. on ESPN. Steven, I like to end every podcast by putting over the people and places that help make our community a great place to live. Do you have anybody that you would like to give a shout-out to? Yeah, I was. I think uh, I'm going to go with an organization. Uh, it's called Every Child of Oregon. It's uh, they they work with uh, DHS or a foster care uh, organization. And uh, I'm just going to read their spiel. Whether you're a single person with a heart for helping a family, or a family with a loving home, a church or a community organization, or a for-profit business, there's opportunities for you to make a real 
and lasting impact in the life of a child. And just with uh, this community of Lane County, it's just a, a desperate need for uh, any kind of help with foster kids. There's just too many kiddos not being loved on. Absolutely. I'm really happy. That's a great organization. I'd love to have Kristen Wall on here one of these mm-hmm. times. She's the director. Um, but yeah, there. Um, I have uh, many friends who have uh, um, through every child started to uh, be foster parents. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, I have just loved um, being kind of a uh, an extra uncle, yes. you know, and just being a part of it. I, I definitely could see my wife and I doing that in the future also. Um, so uh I, uh, I'm sitting here wearing blue today because today is April 2nd and it's Autism Awareness Day. Uh, we are lucky in our community to have many wonderful supports for people who have autism. Um, but that doesn't mean that everybody feels supported and that every family and caregiver feels supported. So I just wanted to give a little recognition to the parents, grandparents, and the caregiver of a person with autism. Um, you are not alone. You are loved. And, um, what you are doing really matters. Um, in this vein, I also want to give a shout out to my church, uh, Christ Center in Junction City and the Open Heavens Room. Uh, Sarah and Lori and all the great volunteers, thank you so much. And to anyone listening who feels like they cannot go to church due to uh, the worry that their child is not, that their child care is not equipped for your child, or um, you feel like you might be judged by the people around you. Um, because uh, maybe uh, your, your child acts up or um, people just don't understand um, what's going uh, what's going through them. Um, I, I, uh, I say please uh, please visit uh, Christ Center in Junction City. Uh, they, uh, they, they put a lot of work in and uh, there's a lot of success stories of, of, of families just having uh, the support that's needed and, uh, and I'm just really thankful that I can call that church my home church. Um, and if you do go, uh, please uh, let me know. Uh, write me on Facebook. Uh, you can get a hold of me on Instagram or Twitter also. Um, or uh, I give my phone number out on uh, in every uh, episode also. Just let me know. Send me a text. I'd love to meet you. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed today's podcast. And remember to watch Oregon play Baylor in the final four this Friday at 4 p.m. on ESPN2. And as always, if you or someone you know is looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate, contact me, Aaron Stansbury, at Aaron S at KW or 503-396-1787. Don't forget to subscribe to the Tell Podcast so you do not miss any future episodes. Thank you all for supporting local.